This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. And finally, it looks like Everton are making their moves in the transfer market. I'm Adam Jones and I'm joined today by David Prentice, Sam Carroll and Chris Beasley. And we're going to start off with the obvious starting point, Richarlison. As we're recording this podcast, he's not been announced yet. He had his medical yesterday. We're just expecting the last bits of paperwork to get done before he's finally announced. And Dave, we'll start with you. Is How important a signing is this for Everton? I think the first signing of any manager is always important. It's almost like a statement of intent, isn't it? You know, what, what they plan to do. Um, Marco Silva has come in with an avowed intention to improve the style of play, um, which... You know, clearly it wasn't going to be difficult to be fair, um, but you want to make your first signing, uh, you know, uh, an impressive one. Something that's going to get the fans excited, and Richarlison certainly does that. Now, putting the the transfer fee aside, uh, because it's a significant sum of money for a fellow who cost eleven and a half million only last summer. Although having said that, did you know impress enormously in the first half of last season? But putting that aside, we're talking a Brazilian. We're talking a twenty-one year old. We're talking a fellow who scored goals and created goals and. Hit the ground running in the Premier League last season, and he plays in an area of the pitch, you know. So where Everton have got options, but maybe you know it's not quite top quality options. So you know that is going to be the first signing. You know, hopefully it'll be announced in the next couple of hours, and uh, I think we should be excited by it. You know, certainly got no reservations about it at all. Yeah, Dave's talking about the fee there, Chris. Is 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 it something that woodies you at all? There's been a lot said, hasn't there, on um, particularly on social media, which we always pick up on, and comparing it perhaps to um, other purchases, and uh, particularly to, to clubs not too far away from from, from Everton. But it, it's it's the going rate these days. I'd be more um, heartened by the fact that he's a player who Marco Silva obviously knows. Um, he's the player, he's the manager who brought him to the, the English game, and we know that Marcel Brandt is also a fan. So. I think that if they rate the player, and they obviously both both do, the fact that um, um, they've they've made um, the bid for him, it looks like it's going through. That um, it, that's not that's not an issue. I know obviously a lot of them, are, a lot of the fee is, is top ups as well. And if he does well, um, so it's it's certainly not that fifty million base rate that's been mentioned. It's not a fifty million transfer in that respect, and that will also take away a bit of the pressure. He won't be. As such, the club's record signing, I, d- I don't think. But um, yeah, given the the, the the current market, I don't think it's vastly um, overpriced. Yeah. But just to see where he plays, you know, because you're talking about the options Everton already have in those positions in the pitch. And Adamola Luckman is obviously a player who uh, Everton fans are rightly excited by. And you know, Marcel Brands has made it clear, as has Marco Silva, that he's got a future at Everton Football Club. But are his opportunities going to be limited now as a result of you know a fellow who's cost a significant sum of money playing in a similar area of the pitch that he does? It's an interesting one, but you know you can only you know basically select you know the, the best players you have available. And if Richarlison is a better player than Adamola Luckman at the moment, well, so be it. Well, maybe not. Maybe not Luckman, but Sammy instantly comes in and improves the squad, doesn't he? Yeah, I think you talk about improving the squad, but when you when you spend that amount of money on on a player. Obviously, he kind of does has, does have to go into the starting lineup at at some point or other. So it'll be a nice headache to have, won't it? I think that the future of uh, Balassi uh, still up in the air, Morales, and even to a certain extent, Luckman, depending on what the club and what and what Luckman himself wants to do. So, as Dave says, you know, it, it's someone coming in. We've got options in those positions, but 
hopefully Richarlison will be the, the little step up in quality that we were lacking at, at times last season. I think Balassi struggled a little bit when he came back from injury, whether that was through being rusty, uh, out of form, trying too hard, or, or a mix of the three. Uh, obviously, every Evertonian knows about Kevin Morales' struggles. Uh, Walcott looked look good at times, but similar to what he was like at Arsenal, where I think he flitted in and out of games. So, you know, if Richard, if Rich Allison can kind of package all of those kind of players together into some kind of super winger, maybe <laughs> that 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 that's fine. But as Dave says, that they've waited Brands and Silver. You know, Brands uh, who wanted Rich Allison at PSV, Silver who got the best out of him in the first half of the season at Watford. I think we all remember the the angry emoji tweet <laughs> that Richarlison put out when he was sacked and that kind of coincided with a loss in form so I think it's quite clear to, to maybe point out why why that happened so you know they've waited this seems to be the, the man that they want and as Dave says you know don't look at the, the look at the transfer fee look at the kind of the age you know he's got skills he works hard uh, he draws fouls I think he was the most foul player in the Premier League last season so it's it, it's an exciting first sign. I mean, a couple of years ago, if you would have said Everton will be splashing thirty-five, forty million pounds on on twenty-one year olds, you you would have been laughing your head off. So I think it's it, it, you've just got to look at the positive side. And you've, like all new managers uh, and director of footballs, do you get? I think there's a little bit of leeway for them here to to kind of experiment with this one, and, and hopefully it, it comes off for them. Well, I mean, as you mentioned there, he had a really good start to the season. I think he raced quite quickly to five goals and four assists in the Premier League, making a step up from Brazil, which is no easy task, having played almost consistently for about 18 months, I think it was. he was. It wasn't so long ago that he was widely thought of as one of the, the best young stars in the Premier League, and that was all under, under Marco Silva. So, Chris, do you think it's, it's maybe key to this move how well he obviously fits into Marco Silva's system? Definitely, like we said, um, it was Silva who got the best out of him, season obviously there was a big falling off period both from Watford and Richarlison and that obviously coincided with um, the partner of the ways with Silva but all his best football to date in, in England has been under Silva so if there's anyone who's going to bring the best out of him it will hopefully be um, the Everton manager. Tell you what looking at our track record of wingers over the last uh, few years as well he's not got a, a great deal to do to shine <laughs> thinking of the likes of you know McGeady, Christian Atsu um, Aaron Lennon maybe you know so up and down you know we, we've not done great in the transfer market with uh, with wide players in recent seasons you know I'll leave Theo Walcott out of that because yeah. take the point that he does flit in and out of games Balassi but, you know uh, <laughs> well yeah Balassi as well although injury I suppose could be you know contributory factor in that one uh, but you know th- we've not got one that's absolutely come in and you know sort of you know, grabbed a game by the scruff of the neck for I'm trying to think of one to be honest uh, don't want to go as far back as Andrzej Kinchelskis, but you know I'm sure they've been better since then. But yeah, you know it's it, it's an area we've not done well in, in the transfer market for some time. So you know, fingers crossed this one does come off well. On yeah. the on the theme of Brazilians as well, I think the first Brazilian I remember every time was Rodrigo. Rodrigo or the <laughs> David Moyes. I remember, I remember his free <laughs> kick at Manchester City. Still the worst free kick I've ever seen in my life. When it went out for a throw in, you see him running up, think a Brazilian taking a free kick for Everton, and it went out for a throw. But again, injury. I think he did his cruciates, didn't he, in a in a training exercise or training accidents. Anderson Silva and Joe are they the only three Evertonian Brazilians? Then I think you're right. Anderson played about two minutes at the end of one game at yeah. Goodison, and uh, Joe played plenty and hit the ground running. To be fair to him, did yeah, start yeah. very very well, uh, and then he had a few disciplinary issues, didn't he? Went off the boil quite quickly. 
but yeah, you know, with uh, our South American signings per se haven't been brilliant. So. Yeah. Well, it's been something that's been mooted, hasn't it, this summer? The fact that they were deliberately going to go out and trap, perhaps look at that South American market a bit more. I mean, this less so because he's a player who's coming from another Premier League club. He's, obviously, Silva's done the hard work when he he got him for Watford, but. It's certainly a different outlook for Everton. They, like you say, not players from that region who particularly done well for Everton in the past. So they're perhaps looking to exploit that a bit more. And with Brands, the work he's done in Latin America, obviously Lozano at PSV, a prime mm. example of that sort of um, work. So he could, uh, if he could nerf another player like that from either no, Central South America, it'd be well worth it. Mm. And it pro- probably wasn't so long ago that you'd presume like a 35, 40 million signing from Everton would be like the big one, and that's it. But it doesn't seem to be the case now. Everton are still making other moves in the transfer market and two Barcelona players in particular, Lucas Digne and oh, Yeni Mina. Oh, well pronounced. Uh, see? <laughs> see, I've been doing my homework. Uh, and obviously Yeni Mina are on the market and Sam, do you think they'd be two good additions for Everton? I do, but I think as as you said, I think uh, something that David Moyes never had but Roberto Martinez when he signed Romelu Lukaku, Cumin uh, throughout his reign and, and now Silver and Brands are going to have his Spending this money brings that weight of expectation. You know, you're seeing the screw really turn on Martinez when he was allowed to go out and buy that striker, which Moyes somewhat hysterically then said he'd have won the league if he'd have been allowed 28 million to sign a, a striker with. Um, but obviously, when when Lukaku was brought in, that was when fans really started to expect more from Martinez. Uh, you know, 11th place finishes weren't going to go. Uh, without, without getting sacked really anymore, and again, Cumin spent a lot of money last summer, uh, and he wasn't given a lot of time then when it started going wrong because he, he'd been given all this all this cash. So I think if you do get the the left back and the centre back in again from a from a big club like Barcelona, then they are three really astute signings in in positions we we need. I think anyone who watched a couple of Colombia's game, games in the World Cup know all about Yeni Mina and I think he'd be the the perfect kind of uh, counterpart to Michael Keane he's big he's strong he's fast um, but Brandon Silver I think will be as aware as we are as Evertonians that they've got to hit the ground run at some point haven't they I mean the f- the, the opening fixture list isn't as daunting as Koeman was, was given no. last season but you you bring these players in as Adam's saying for all that money you're expecting results early on. I'm, I'm always wary of centre backs that come in from, uh, you know, from abroad. We've seen this so many times in the past, where you know centre backs with a great reputation have pitched up at Goodison and you know been absolutely disastrous. Um, you know, I'm not going to list them all, but you know, there's, there's a, a large number now. Yerry Mina was very, very, you know, you know, widely praised uh, for his spell in South America, and he seems to have had a, you know a few moments in Barcelona, struggled a little bit. Um, you know the fact that they're willing to let him go so soon after he arrived. You know doesn't speak volumes, uh, but like you say, his World Cup performances were solid. He's clearly a threat. You know in the opposition penalty area, but you can say the same about Funes Mori. Uh, so you know <laughs> you, you just want to you know just you know keep your powder dry a little bit on that and see how the guy settles in. You know they'll have done the homework, they'll have done the due diligence on him, and you know they're going to spend a significant sum of money on him. They'll obviously expect him to hit the ground running. But you know the Premier League is such a different league, you know, so to play in abroad. 
and uh, it just you know the intensity of it seems to be different to anywhere else in Europe. So we'll have to wait and see. Lucas Dinier, yes, I was doing the uh, the, the YouTube <laughs> search as well. Um, it looks like a player who could fit into the uh, the Premier League quite quickly. He plays a very high tempo, high pressing style, which is why Barcelona bought him. I think he's you know basically seen as a you know standing for Jordi Alba, which is great in anybody's book. Um, and you know Marcus Silva wants to bring in that kind of style at Everton, you know pressing high up the pitch. So he looks like a player you know suited to come straight in, but. Again, these two are still players that you know haven't been signed yet. You know, Emerson are trying to get deals over the line for them, uh, but you know, fingers crossed. You know, they, they will happen sooner rather than later. I think what's worth pointing out in Yeri Mina's defence is that he was pushed into a Barcelona move a lot earlier than expected. Like they were planning on signing him this summer, but then Mascherano's departure to uh, the Chinese league kind of forced the hand a bit, yeah. and they had to move for him a bit earlier. So he went to Barcelona with very little pre-season training and was asked to like instantly get up to the level of Barcelona, which I think is quite a, quite a massive ask for any player, let alone someone coming from a South American league who doesn't really know this kind of system that Barcelona play. So I think maybe we might have seen what's closer to the actual Yeti Mina in a World Cup, in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. As, as much as I don't want to base our signings off a World Cup, I think that was much closer to how the, the style that he usually plays. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Just like I say, you know, you don't want to get you know sort of too excited too soon about uh, about players. But you know, you do with signings, don't you? You can't help yourself. You know, you you see new, new players come in, and you know you want to see how they fit into your team. And so you know, fingers crossed, Everton will get them, and they'll you know be a big improvement to what we had last season. Mm-hmm. I think down the years, there's there's been players that Everton have failed to replace some, just because it's hard to kind of get a player who plays in that kind of niche role a little bit like Tim Cale others because we were quite fortunate to stumble across some of the quality like Mikel Arteta I think uh, Stephen Pienaar has always been quite hard to replace on the left hand side but Mina for me of the bits I've seen of him with his strength, his size, his athleticism really reminds me of Sylvan Distan mm-hmm. and I think he's a player that Everton have never replaced in, and you know for quite a low profile I think he was 29, 30 when we signed him for like 5 million which raised a few eyebrows him and Phil Jagielka one of for me and maybe you yourself, Adam, one of the best Everton central defensive partnerships for a time. I've yeah. I've I've seen and obviously Distan unfortunately remembered for that goal at Wembley when he 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 played in Suarez with that pinpoint through ball. But apart from that, he was he was always solid and he was he he kind of formed that relationship with Jagielka. And I think one of the things which uh, Martinez, Koeman, uh, Allardyce, none of them could kind of form is that two-man partnership who, who know each other's games inside out who, who complement each other's strengths and weaknesses and I think for as much talk about how we need a left back and a central midfielder and Richarlison I think getting that, that nice solid defensive foundation back will, will, will help Everton more than anything this season It's very very important I think we underestimate how good Phil Jagielka has been for Everton down the years uh, you know that partnership with Lescott you know was like was absolutely you know sort of rock solid and provided like goal threats about the opposite end of the pitch as well uh, you're talking players there, though, that have been established in English football already. 
Um, I'm thinking of playing Richard Goff when he arrived, you know, so it's a partner, Dave Watson, and he was ancient at the time. I think he was 37 or 38, and Watson was 38. But the pair of them were great, you know, so for half a season, obviously injury starts to take the toll then. But because they were used to English football, because they knew what the demands of it were all about. Yeah. Um, Michael Keane, you could argue, you know, was absolutely used to the demands of English football. And, you know, has found it a, a little bit of a struggle to settle in, but hopefully will be much improved uh, because of the uh, experience of his first season at Goodison. Park. I don't subscribe to this, you know, social media, you know, witch hunt against him at the moment. You know, for his performance the night against uh, Porto, uh, he was okay. I didn't think there was any major issue with his uh, with his performance. You know, there was a high line that was caught out uh, playing an offside trap, and you know, the Porto took advantage of it. But I didn't see any major howlers from him. But you know, people get a bit carried away, don't they? You know, so early doors when there's no, no signings being made just yet, and starting to pick holes and things. Fingers crossed, he can have a decent season. Well, Phil, who was actually out in the game, uh, Phil Kirkbride out in Portugal, he, he was very complimentary of, um, of Keane's performance. The one thing to say about Keane is he tends to have played his best football, we're talking about partnerships, alongside Phil Jagielka when Jags has been there alongside him. So on the one hand, that's good that they've built up that understanding, but surely Everton are going to want to have to phase Jags out this next 12 months or so, and that's the reason why Yeri Mean has been um, touted about. So if the hope that he could obviously build a partnership with, with a, a new player like that but maybe Mina's style of play will actually be more suited to the Premier League than Barcelona like um, Adam was saying so that highly technical style at Barcelona and if he is more of a an athlete more, more of a, a big unit there for want of yeah. a better word at the back perhaps, perhaps England would be better suited for him Funny enough I, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Burnley supporter when, uh, when Everson signed Michael Keane and he loved him he thought he was a really good player he says but he does need a vocal dominant centre half alongside him and he will perform better you know when, when that's the case now, you know, Yerry Mina, you know, you'd imagine would be physical and be dominant. Whether he's going to be vocal would be difficult, you know, given he might have language issues. So, you know, would he be the ideal partner for Michael Keane? Who knows? I mean, that's what Marco Silva and Marcel Brown doesn't just have to be into. the centre half, though, does it? I mean, if he's got yeah. Pickford, who we all seen in the World Cup, yeah. very vocal, yeah. and just get caught swearing at other players yeah. 20 times. Yeah. And you've got Leighton Baines and Seamus Coleman yeah. either side, and they should still be able to say, surely, shouldn't they? You know, and, and talk to Keane. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Seamus Coleman's like, you know, arguably a captain in waiting. You know, he's very, very vocal. Baines, he, yeah, experienced. I think he's more of a, you know, leads by example rather than, you know, by what he says on the pitch. But time will tell. You know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, we've touched on it here. Everton have been in Algarve Cup action throughout the weekend. Uh, it ended in, a, let's call it a draw. <laughs> loss on penalties and uh, then a, a loss to, uh, to Porto. But... Dave, do you, what do you think Everton will have gained from that trip? It, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, I hate these tournaments where you're playing two games in the space of 24 hours because, you know, it affects your team selection. You give one team run out one night, one team another night. Um, I, I watched both games and I thought the performance against Lille was OK. You know, so it was a nil-nil draw, but, it, you know, it was, it was reasonably bright. Uh, I was at Berry a couple of days previously and thought that was a very bright performance. I quite enjoyed that one. Uh, the following night, Porto, despite you know the, the Everton commentary team saying how much they enjoyed it, what a good performance it was, I didn't agree. Uh, I thought it was a bit patchy. I thought there were you know 
poor performances here and there. What stood out for me is the fact that Sanjo seems to play virtually every minute of every game of the last uh, you know, four games. Likewise, Kevin Morales has been very, very heavily played. Mo Besic has had quite a few runouts. And I take that to mean that, you know, not that they've suddenly been you know, resurrected and revived Everton careers you know, going forward again. I just think that Marco Silva feels an obligation to play these players so he can say to them, look, I've had a good look at you. I've seen you in training. I've seen you in matches. I'm now going to make a decision. Now, I think for him to make a decision that would extend their Everton shelf life, they would have had to be absolutely magnificent. And I didn't see that. Morales was okay. He was quite bright. He was the Morales that he can be on occasions, you know, looking bright and penetrating. But we know he's equally as likely to go missing, you know, so as soon as the season starts. Sanjo worked so hard, you know, fair place him for that, up and down the right side, you know, chasing back diligently. But just never looked like a goal threat, never looked like he had that much quality, to be perfectly honest. Um, and Mo Besic, you know, looked, looked okay, looked decent. You know, after, after three, he's probably the one that, you know, caught the eye the most plays in an area of the pitch that Everton already have, you know, a number of players. So I'd be surprised if any of them, you know, were given significant, you know, game time in the Premier League next season. But, you know, we'll find that out, you know, more and more as the next couple of pre-season games are played. Well, let's discuss a couple of those players that you've mentioned there. Should we start with Mo Besic? He's been causing quite a bit of debate on social media over the last couple of days. Sam, what are, what are your thoughts? Do you think he should stay at Everton for next season? I think at the at the moment the central midfield position is a worry, isn't it? I think we've only really got uh, obviously you've got Garner to come back. He was, he was training over in Portugal, and then you've got Besic himself, Davis, Schneidlin, and then you're looking more towards like young players like Benny Beningami. But I, my heart, my heart says yeah on Besic, but me my head says no. I think we've all seen what he can do. I think he had a good cameo against Manchester City a couple of seasons back. But at the same time, there's there's been just as many frustrating performances and performances where I think even Mo knows that he he probably should have done better and can just lose his head a little bit sometimes when when you kind of just need someone in there to 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 keep it tight and keep things ticking over. So I think the thing with Bessic is is that what we're aiming for now is that the best we can we can do and arguably if you're bidding forty million pounds for a twenty one year old from Watford, then you you can do better than. Mo Besser, you, I've got no doubt, would improve some Premier League teams, but for me, it, it is that kind of. He's not going to help you break the top six anytime soon, in my opinion. To, to me, he tries a bit too hard to be, you know, this uh, uber macho enforcer in midfield. And sometimes you want to see like a little bit more discipline. He was at it the other night, you know, you know, in the in the, uh, the Algarve Cup, you know, sliding one in that didn't get a yellow card, although it certainly warranted one. And he does it on occasions. It's almost like you know he's trying too hard to you know, push his personality onto a game and sometimes you want a player that's going to, you know, just take your foot off a little bit. Morgan Schneidlin's guilty of it as well. I mean, how often do you see him on his backside? You know, he slides into tackles far too frequently, picks up far too many yellow and red cards. I mean, football is changing now all the time. You know, it is all about pressing. It is all about nicking the ball. Those meaty 50-50 challenges, you tend not to see as many of them these days and they're beginning to become a little bit old-fashioned and you get the impression that Mo and Morgan, you know, are still embracing that side of the game they're still trying to be a little bit too you know too too resolute in the challenges and I'm not so sure about either to be honest I mean playing devil's advocate a little bit I think it's the Algarve Cup made quite clear that if Schneidlin's not going to be playing in that number six role that Marco Silva's made quite important it looks like it's going to be Mo Besic for the minute at least and Chris do you think that makes his position a bit more important in the squad can Everton afford to let him go if he's the backup for Morgan Schneidlin 
I, I think if if somebody was to come in and offer the money for Mo, I'd, I'd take it. I know obviously he was well liked um, at Middlesbrough last season where he where he was on loan, and similar to what Sam's saying, I think he's 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 had his his chance. Now, may, there might not be somebody who's absolute like for like for him within within the squad, but I think he's had a fair crack at a whip now. And like I said, then. Uh, you need a bit more than just um, shaking your fist and sticking a, a few um, tackles in. I mean, the, cr- the crowd like it, but they want a bit more than that. Mm. So we've had a bit of a consensus, I'd say, on Mo Besic. Now, Sandra Ramirez, I got involved in quite a big discussion, <laughs> like personally on social media about Sandra Ramirez. Just wondering if I could get your thoughts, Chris, firstly. Yeah. What, 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 what do you reckon? Like Dave's saying, he's obviously being given these minutes... Um, so the manager can say, well, yeah, I've given you this this chance now, you've, this opportunity, but unfortunately it, it, it feels like it's just not going to happen for him. Um, it's a shame, really. I mean, he had that, that great season, which obviously earned it, his move to, to Goodison Park, and everyone thought oh, it, was, it was a great um, bargain buy of the summer, given that the relatively modest transfer fee, but counterbalance to that, he's obviously on big wages, and I think that's part of the problem why they've struggled to, to shift him. So on, unfortunately... Um, I think um, it'd be time to move on if, like so many of these players, like Morales and the other high earners, you can find somebody who's prepared to uh, to take him on those. Mm. But, Sam, arguably, you'd have to say Sandro's been putting in his best performances in an Everton shirt this pre-season, hasn't he? He has, but it's a very kind of... It's a low bar. Yeah, it's a, it's a low bar. To, I, think we, I think the lowest point I remember is when Allardyce put him on at half-time in that Chelsea game where he drew 0-0 and he, he just kind of looked like... Yeah, a little bit like Klassen did at times last season where he was just looking round. He was just like, what have I got myself into here kind of thing. The physicality of the Premier League he can't handle. I and mean, we've even seen that <coughs> pre-season, the game of Berry, you know, he's going down clutching his face when someone's trailing hand, uh, you know, calls him. And Berry nearly scored from it. And, you know, everybody else carried on. He didn't. You know, you can get away with that in Spain, you know, in other countries, not in the Premier League. And I, th- I think that's the problem. If he, if he could back that up with some kind of... Substance and, and and kind of get some goals and 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 create things, but as Dave said, he hasn't he hasn't. You can have all the hard work that you want, but then, as we were saying about Bessage, is that what you're aiming for? You know, Simon Davis worked hard on the right. Mark Pembridge worked hard on on the, the right. And Maradona, you listen. <laughs> <laughs> and these these lads obviously weren't on anywhere near 120,000 pounds a week, but that that is the kind of crux of of the argument whether silver. Wants to use Sandro next season. I'd say will become more clear towards the Valencia game, won't it? Whether he, you know, you've got to think that with Pickford back there, he might choose to field his strongest team. But you know, will anyone come in? Will anyone even take him for the year and pay a portion of his wages? It's it's an interesting one for for both him and Klassen, whose stock has fallen so quickly in just a year's worth of football. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Yeah, you've touched on class in there. What, what are you? What are your thoughts on uh, Davies' performances pre-season? Just thought that um, he's he's what he's one of the ones who who can hopefully um, can get better and keep improving. Unlike so many of these other players, I think that's the problem. What are Everton going to do in regards to can they get anyone to take them on? Whereas Tom Davies, obviously, uh, is. is is a player who's you know he got the armband for a few minutes the, the, the other night. I mean that was like I mean it, it was only a pre-season game and it was only for a few minutes, but I think that was an important gesture there that um, that the new manager um, gave him that. I think he's he's obviously like he's admitted himself. He's, he's still very much a, a raw player and um, he, he's all about that um, 
the energy and uh, playing off the cuff in many respects. But and no, I think that he's um, he's one who, who can s- certainly improve and hopefully get a, a good season out of him. I'd much rather have him than one of these um, high earners who I think have had their chance and aren't going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And one one man that we haven't seen yet in pre-season down to injuries and illness so far is Yannick Balassi. And obviously Sandro's been playing in his position almost on the wing. Where do you think Yannick Balassi's future lies? Well, if you believe that the rumours and the speculation you read on the uh, on the internet, it's in Turkey. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I think Balassi certainly has something to offer. Um, he's just not been quite the same player since the injury. Um, you know, pre-injury, him and the uh, partnership he, he forged with Romelu Lukaku was impressive. He was direct. He's strong. He was getting to the byline. He was getting crosses over, and you know, Everton was scoring goals from them. And we haven't really seen that since he's come back. Whether you can recapture that, I don't know. He's, you know, he's not the you know, youngest uh, you know, football you've ever seen. I'm not 28, 29, is he? 29, uh, 29 yeah, and coming back from you know, such a, a traumatic injury. Um, I suspect you know, his future may well lay elsewhere. And uh, just to you know, take a completely counterpoint to what Chris has just said about David Klassen, I think likewise with Klassen, you'll never handle the physicality of the Premier League. And you know, whilst technically you might be quite a gifted player, and I'm led to believe that when Ronald Koeman signed him, he was quite boldly telling people how he would uh, show Evertonians what they were missing with Ross Barkley and what kind of player he could become. Well, I'm sorry he hasn't done that. You know, whereas Ross does you know, get the physicality of the Premier League you know, and can handle it no problem. I don't think David Klassen can, and I don't think he ever will. I think he, you know, he will be moving on, and hopefully will fare better in a more, you know, sort of technically, uh, you know, focused league. Mm. Obviously, it's a pretty busy pre-season schedule at the minute for Everton. But there's another game coming fast approaching on Thursday. Everton will be in action against Blackburn. And Sam, is there anything in particular that you want to see from Everton that night? Um, a goal. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think with Valencia coming up in the, the sorry we've got Ren Ren is it and then Ren, and and Ren then Valencia yeah. Yeah. I think that the Blackburn game is another perfect opportunity to pick a similar team to the one he did against Lille you know I think it was quite clear wasn't it that that team uh, was players that he was keen to run run the rule over I think it had some young lads like Robinson and uh, Pennington and, and several other young players uh, in, in that starting lineup. so I think I think that that's probably the way to go make a final decision on any of them I think Klassen should start Sandro Morales and then those final two friendlies is when you finally got a you know already Marco said that Niasi will be a part of his plans I don't think we've seen have we seen anything of Calvert-Lewin so far? No, no he's had a slight knock hasn't he as has Luckman yeah. which is why they haven't played so perhaps if if they, they could come back and, and maybe make an impact on the team but I think it's really interesting now isn't it I think as the days have ticked on, you kind of haven't realised, but the transfer window shuts in a couple of weeks now, and, yeah. and it really is time. You know, it's it's very rare in football that deals happen overnight, and you know if, if they still want to get six or seven players out and three or four players in, th- th- there's not a lot of time to do that. And it's really got to be time now where that squad gets trimmed, and 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 they look at by by the time you play Valencia, you want to be able, even as a fan, to be able to say right. This is our strongest 11, 12, you know, 15 players because that is somewhere where Everton have been lacking for a long time. I mean, last season with Koeman and Aldice, every time the team got announced, it was basically just a lucky dip of yeah. of positions <laughs> and formations and Vlasic would be in and play and then he'd go missing for two weeks and, and then Holgate would be in and then out. And, you know, I think we really need to nail down. Obviously, football's changed a little bit with cup competitions and whatnot. 
there's obviously going to be some rotation, but I think now we've really got to uh, have a manager who knows his, his, his best 11 players and his best squad. Well, presumably we're going to see Idrissa Gay and Gilfie Sigurdsson back in contention for Thursday. Do you think that'll provide some sort of significant improvement in Everton's play, Chris? Well, certainly quality-wise, <laughs> you, you would hope so. Um, it's it, very different um, circumstances for, for the pair of them. I mean, um, both going to the World Cup, Gil, Gilfie did well just to get there, um, given that the, the nasty injury he got against um, Brighton when he played on back, back in March. So, obviously, he had an up and down. World Cup with them, Iceland, he managed to, to score a goal, but he had that awful penalty miss. But what I'd be most interested to see where exactly they're going to be playing. You'd imagine, even within a three-man midfield, Adrissa Gay's role is going to be similar to what he's been doing. But what what is Marco Silva going to be doing with uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson? And that so often last season, played out of position, wasn't in that favoured number ten. I mean, where does he fit in into this four-three-three? If indeed that's what obviously Marco Silva said he, he, he's going to play, because I hope he does get the best out of him because although he was a willing runner down the left everyone seems to agree that 10 is his best position mm. So far this pre-season Kieran Dowell seems to have been playing in behind the striker do you think it's going to be a straight swap Sigurdsson for Dowell? I would imagine so yeah <coughs> I mean I, I, I had high hopes for Kieran Dowell I mean I went across to the Berry game last week intending to write something about him uh, and I couldn't because he was so anonymous you know his performance he, he just didn't do anything really Sigurdsson's a player I like enormously, uh, got great quality, um, capable of scoring sensational goals and capable of creating plenty of goals. Um, yeah, and, you know, Everton will build their attacking you know, axis, if you like, you know, sort of around him. And Kieran Dowell, you know, I would have loved to have seen, you know, have the quality to force his way into that you know, argument. And I'm not really seeing it at the moment. I know he was excellent for Nottingham Forest you know, for the first half of last season before having a little dip. I'd love to see him do it again at Everton, but... I don't know. Maybe it's that physicality thing again. Um, you know, when he was first given his uh, his first Premier League exposure under David Unsworth, we all thought he was going to be the one that was going to, you know, be the, the shining light that day, and it wasn't. It was Tom Davis. Uh, you know, because he handled the physicality of it a little bit better. Um, I'm not sure. Again, talking about ages, Kieran Darcy, 21, 22 now. Yep. You know, he's at an age whereby you really need to be playing, you know, pretty consistently. You know, if you're going to make it in the Premier League, and I don't see that happening immediately. You know, hopefully he'll prove me wrong. You know, because he's a player I'd love to see succeed. But you know, based on pre-season performances so far, there's still a bit to come from him. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, as ever, we'll be right on top of the Blackburn game on Thursday. And hopefully we'll be right on top of some transfer news throughout the week. So stay with us at the Liverpool Echo. And thank you for tuning in to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.